Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Usually it takes me till about Thursday to start really pining for the weekend. But uh, this week is quite the exception. I'm already there. Like, I'm already ready to just be done with the week, and it's only just started. And part of that is my anticipation for this particular weekend, the weekend of 4th of July. You know, it falls on next Tuesday, and uh, so, you know, if you have traditional weekend activities, they're typically going to fall on this coming week as opposed to the following one, and that's also the case with our family. 4th of July is, aside from Christmas, probably the biggest family holiday um, that we have. And uh, it's it's pretty pretty extensive, lots of <laughs> celebrations that take place, traditions, family games and what have you, a tremendous fireworks display put on by my father-in-law. It's quite the, uh, quite the attraction up in uh, northern Wisconsin there. And I'm really looking forward to it. But the 4th of July is also bittersweet for me, and it's increasingly been so over the past decade or so, because as I've gotten more politically active, as I have lived through, as we all have, the administration of Barack Obama, and we've seen the advent of things such as Obamacare, uh, the Supreme Court ruling affirming Obamacare, uh, and the the, the various uh, tangential ways in which our dependence upon government has increased and has been perpetuated and sold to us by the very people who we entrust to uh, fulfill the roles of government, which is to protect our individual rights, and they're doing the exact opposite. It's all very disheartening, and it kind of comes to a head. It's particularly emotionally impactful when the 4th of July rolls around, because what is it that we're celebrating? What's the whole point? Independence from what, right? I mean, we know it's Independence Day. Independence from what? And why should we care? Why is independence worth pausing to consider, pausing to celebrate. Why Why should we launch fireworks? Because they're pretty, right? Why should we take a moment to, to wave the flag and consider our history? What's the point? I maintain that it has more to do, it has less to do with the particulars of the American Revolution, right? It has less to do with our independence from the British crown than it does with fundamental philosophical ideas, that we ought to, we both corporately as a nation and individually as human beings ought to be independent in the most fundamental of sense. We ought to be free. We ought to live in a condition of liberty. We ought to have full ownership and control over our own lives. We ought to be able to consent to the relationships that we choose to enter into on the terms which we agree to, informed by reason, informed by persuasion, and not force. That seems to me to be worth celebrating. You know, that's the independence that that I want to call to mind on the 4th of July. And yet, seemingly, increasingly, year after year, we slide further and further away from that. Closing argument, my name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855. 
to join the program this evening. You can catch us at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com, your iHeartRadio app. We stream live on both those locations. If you want to catch up with the podcast after the show, go to Spreaker.com, download your Spreaker app on your mobile device. And uh, I'm telling you, Spreaker is is quite the nifty little app. I've already discovered a number of podcasts that I enjoy personally in the in the couple of days that I've been checking it out since we migrated our feed over there. And uh, you will not be disappointed. 9 to 11 weeknights is when we run this show. Appreciate you tuning in. So with that little screed about the, the irony of Independence Day uh, as our preface, let's consider what those Senate Republicans, those stalwarts of conservative principle, those uh, paragons of virtue and uh, bravery and boldness, what they are doing down in Washington, D.C. from Politico. The Senate Republican health care bill would leave 22 million more Americans uninsured over a decade, according to a Congressional Budget Office projection that could complicate the party's push to hold a vote on the plan this week. The estimated coverage losses are just slightly less than for the House-passed version of the Obamacare repeal bill, which concern Republican moderates who have pushed Senate leaders to craft a more generous bill. I love that part. Generous. Senate Republicans who want leaders to craft a more generous bill. Why, if you are a a Senate Republican or a Republican of any kind, I don't care if you hold public office or not, I don't care if you're just somebody who marches in a parade, if you identify in any way with the Republican Party and you believe that a federal law providing health care for individuals ought to be generous, my question to you is, first of all, I want to hear from you, 651-989-5855. Tell me who you are. I want to meet these people who, who feel this way. But, but also answer me this question. Why are you a Republican? Why? What, what's the point? What do you, what's your worldview? What's your mission? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? My continual frustration, and this is why at the outset of the show tonight, I, I came on saying that I feel like, I'm in a particularly, eh, I don't know if I go so far as to say foul mood, but just a, a an off mood. And it's mostly because of this. It's mostly because of the ongoing debate within the Republican Party over the repeal and replace of Obamacare and the, the, the futility of it, because it really is futile. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I've been accused of being cynical on more than one occasion. When it comes to this particular issue of health care, I am profoundly cynical, guilty as charged. But it's a rational cynicism based upon the fact that, ba- that the, the premises that we've conceded in this debate are going to lead us in one direction and one direction only, and that's away from liberty, away from the free market, away from a true repeal of Obamacare. Because you've got Republican senators out there who think that it's the role of Senate leadership to craft a, quote, more generous bill. Let's consider this little sub-question, this little aside for a moment. Is it possible, just in, in acknowledging the facts of reality, is it possible for government to be generous? What are the requirements of generosity what does one have what what are the the prerequisites that have to be met before one can be placed in a position to act in a generous manner can i be generous with brad's money 
You know, if I if I go into the next room and I take a club and I knock him over the head and I pilfer his wallet and I take everything he has, and then I go out and I find you know the 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 closest uh, sign holder on an uh, off off ramp on the freeway at some someplace here in the Twin Cities, and I hand him Brad's money. Have I been generous in that instance? Is that my generosity at work? It occurs to me that one of the prerequisites, one, <laughs> the essential prerequisite to generosity is ownership. Actually owning the thing that you're being generous with, which, which itself requires its own prerequisite, production, going out and earning it in the first place, right? You earn it, which means you own it, which means you can be generous with it if you so choose. Government does none of these things. Government doesn't produce. Government doesn't own. Therefore, government cannot be generous. All government can do is increase the extent to which it pilfers. Increase the extent to which it initiates force in various situations, or wields force, I should say. You know, because there is, the reason we have any government whatsoever is so that it can be what it is, which is a the the legal monopoly on force. But the proper use of that force is in retaliation against those who initiate it, not as the initiator. You call the cops because somebody is breaking into your house. The person who broke into your house is the initiator. You call the cops to use force to stop him and to punish him through the prosecutorial system. That's the proper use of force, the proper, the proper legal monopoly entrusted to the government. When you talk about something like healthcare, providing healthcare for everybody, that's role reversal. That's putting government in the position of the guy who's breaking into your house to take things. But he's going to give it to other people. So isn't that nice? Isn't that generous? This is why we can't have nice things and why we won't. We will not have nice things in the area of healthcare, at least. And I think tangentially in many other areas of public policy as well, because of the central premises which we have conceded in this debate. It makes me more concerned, Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana said of the CBO score during an appearance on CNN, I've been uncommitted and we remain uncommitted. This is from Politico. The Senate legislation also would cut the federal deficit by $321 billion over 10 years, driven by deep cuts to Medicaid and skimpier aid for people purchasing private coverage. Those savings far exceed the $119 billion tar- Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Target set by the House bill, meaning a key requirement for Republicans hoping to pass the Senate bill through a fast-track budget process needing just 51 votes. That would also give Republican leaders much-needed flexibility to add financial sweeteners aimed at winning over skeptical GOP senators, including those worried that the bill would too deeply cut Medicaid or set back efforts to combat the nationwide opioid epidemic. If you're, again, if you're a Republican who is worried that Medicaid is going to be too deeply cut, my question stands, why are you a Republican? Why? Because the reason I ask, I'm not being facetious. I genuinely don't know. 
I genuinely don't understand what value you're pursuing in your identification as a Republican if you concede to the fundamental premise that government ought to be providing something like health care for people. Because here's the thing. If you believe that, if you concede that, that it's government's job to make sure that people get that people in any situation get health care, then what are you offering of value to the voters that's better than the Democrats? Because the Democrats obviously concede that premise. That's their fundamental premise, that government ought to provide stuff to people who, quote-unquote, need it or even just want it, that we ought to have freedom from want. That was one of the things that FDR had on his second Bill of Rights, right? Freedom from want. You, you recall the uh, Rockwell, the Norman Rockwell painting that spoke of this. The idea that we, that we ought to be free from any unmet desire. That's what the Democrats believe. And so if you're going to concede to that as a Republican and then propose something that provides less, that leaves people in want, that kicks, to borrow the language that's dominant in the media right now, 22 million people off of health care, then how, do, how is this a winner for you? How is this going to win elections? How is this going to maintain majorities? Uh, how is this going to set us up to do the many other things that need to be done in public policy to reduce deficits, pay down the debt, what have you? It's not. This goes in one direction, and that is single payer. It's now inevitable. I believe you know, th- this is something that Ben Shapiro has been saying, and I think he's 100% correct. We are going to have single payer health care in the United States of America. Now, it may not take the explicit for it might not be called single payer, right? But in effect, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be 100% total government control and provision of health care. You're not going to be able to obtain health care through any other means than government in the United States of America. And that, that's because that is the logical, rational, inevitable continuation of this premise that government should provide it. If government should provide it, then it, it needs to provide all of it, right? Not some of it, not part of it, all of it. And, and if, if you're going to make the case, you can't make the case that it ought to provide less than all if you've already conceded the notion that it ought to provide any. Because all the Democrats are ever going to do is, is offer more and offer more and hold the carrot out and keep the bunny rabbit chasing it. And what, on what basis are you ever going to be able to make the case that, no, enough's enough, we're paying enough, it's, this is as far as we need to go? You can't because you're not basing it upon any sort of principle. You're not basing it upon any sort of root philosophical idea that is fundamentally opposed to what the Democrats are basing their argument off of. 651-989-5855. Closing argument. My name's Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. Some of the rhetoric that's been coming from the left and the Democrats regarding the the, the cooking 
a bill from Senate Republicans that supposedly, allegedly repeals and replaces Obamacare has obviously been over the top. And it doesn't surprise anybody. It shouldn't surprise anybody. Even in the wake of the the Steve Scalise shooting, uh, it really shouldn't surprise us that Democrats have turned back to accusing Republicans of literally killing people merely by placing two. Well, and that's the thing is that they're not even they're not even actually doing what the Democrats are saying that they're doing. Right, which is depriving them of health care, depriving them of, of, of these programs. They're enshrining an entitlement with their proposed legislation. They're essentially they essentially agree with the Democrats. I mean, they're they're not that far apart in terms of what they want to see in, in terms of role, government's role in the healthcare industry. And so it's all kind of one giant theatrical peacock display, much ado about nothing coming from the left. But the point that I'm trying to drive at here is this is how the left is going to react no matter what Republicans do, no matter its merits, no matter its faults, no no matter the the virtue of what's being proposed. So knowing that if you're strategic and you find yourself on the conservative side of the political spectrum, why would you hold back? Why would you pull your punches? Why not lead and aggressively pursue policy that actually brings your principles into manifestation because the republicans are going to or i mean the democrats and the left are going to run around saying that you're killing people anyway so you might as well go for the gusto and go for what you really want and bring things uh, into alignment with the principles that we claim to be for as republicans conservatives and libertarians closing argument my name is walter hudson twin cities news talk am 11 30 1035 FM 651-989-5855, the number to join us, Stephen Faribault. Welcome to the program. Steve, how's it going? Hi, uh, my name's Steve. Uh, am I on the air? I can't hear you. Yes, you are, sir. Okay, sorry, I'm on driving right now. I listen to you every night. So anyway, I'm, I'm not into politics like you are. I enjoy listening to you every night on my way home. Uh, I guess I'm, what I'm understanding is, so before Obamacare was put in place, what did this country do for the people who were uninsured at that time? I mean, weren't the taxpayers paying for the bill anyway, or the government through um, some type of aid, tell us some kind of health care they had before? I don't know what it was called, but I mean, I've always had a job with insurance, you know, so I never was in that situation. So that's why I guess I'm asking, what's the difference now before and after Obamacare? Well, I mean, there there are a number of differences. The, the there's the the individual mandate, the the notion that we're going to, which you know, was rather unprecedented. The the notion that at the federal level we're actually going to compel people to purchase a product and or service. Uh, that that's that's something that on, on that scale, uh, and, and you know, unlike something like say car insurance, which is controlled at the state level and, and uh, requires people to have it if they're going to ride on public roads. You know, you don't have to drive, number one, and if you do own a car and you're going to drive it, you don't have to do it on a public road, right? So, you know, the, that requirement actually makes a certain degree of sense. In in the alternative universe where we had a fully privatized transportation system, you might still be required by whoever owned the roads to be insured in order to drive on their roads. In fact, that's probably a, a very highly likely contractual requirement in, in that hypothetical situation. So I don't have a huge problem with that. But when you come to something with like health care and you're going to mandate from on high from the government level that everybody has to purchase health insurance, now you're saying that I have to buy a product just because I'm alive, just because I exist. 
and there's there's no philosophical basis for that number one and number two it's a precedent that sets up government to be able to basically do whatever it wants on on whatever basis it wants and so that's a much broader answer than the question you asked but uh, i mean i guess i mean i understand what you're saying there uh i don't understand so i mean why yeah so they're mandating that we have insurance or yeah that's penalty right at the end of the year you pay your taxes and all that and right that's one thing I'm not wild about, you know. So I mean, I, you know, I just get sick. Of, I mean, I'm just so, so sick of the whole thing. I guess. I mean, I loved the way it was before myself. I wouldn't consider myself a Republican nor a Democrat, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I enjoy listening to your show every night. And one thing I want to say about the the, the Castillo case is like, well, are the taxpayers paying for the insurance to pay? That three million dollar. Yes, that that's so, that's a fair even point. Taxpayers, they said it's not coming out of taxpayers' pockets. It really is, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, the way they reported it, which was technically accurate, is that it's not going to cost St. Anthony taxpayers to to pay the actual settlement. But to your point, you're one hundred percent correct. Right, right. Okay. It's the premiums paid by taxpayers everywhere in the state. That that go into this insurance pool at the Minnesota League of Cities that is going to pay out this uh, this settlement to uh, most of all Castile's lawyer. So there you go. Right. Appreciate the call, Steve, hey, and appreciate you. you listening. So Warren Buffett, who of course is uh, he's such a <laughs> a perplexing contradiction of an individual. On the one hand, he's made a tremendous amount of money through. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Through capitalism, through the application, the practical manifestation of literal capitalism, investing in companies, seeking value, assessing value, employing his, his intellectual skill to identify where value opportunities exist, then putting his money at his risk, invested in those companies and then reaping the reward. And yet at the same time, one of the loudest and most prolific voices for denying the rest of us the opportunity and the freedom by which to potentially meet with similar or any level of success. This is what uh, he has to say, according to Graben. Admitting that he's not an expert on health care, political heavyweight and investment tycoon Warren Buffett is recommending America scrap its health care system in favor of a British-style single-payer state-run plan. The Berkshire Hathaway CEO said America can afford to provide all Americans with government health care. The single-payer program is probably the best system, Buffett said Monday in an interview on PBS's NewsHour, because it is a system we are such a rich country, in a sense, we can afford to do it. That's what he says. We can afford to do it. Now, again, this goes back to fundamental premises. What uh, what premise is Buffett operating under by which he ascertains that, quote, unquote, we can, quote, unquote, afford it? Who's we? And by what resources can we afford single-payer health care? The, the premise here is that the money in existence, the, the collective money that is owned by 
all 300 million American uh, residents and citizens, that that money doesn't actually belong to any of the individuals who own it, who earned it, that it's our money collectively. It's the, the United States of America's money. And therefore, we, because we are rich collectively, the nation is rich, we can afford single-payer health care. Well, at, you've already conceded, enough, you've, in order to get to that assessment, you've already concluded a number of things which I maintain are under dispute. It is not our money. There is no we here. You're talking about initiating force to take from people who have earned to redistribute to people who have not. And that is a moral concession that I'm not quite prepared to make. And I'm very perplexed at the number of Republicans elected and otherwise who seem to be willing to do so. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, com. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. 651-989-5855 to join the program this evening. We've been discussing the Republicans' attempt to do something with health care. I know not what. It's certainly not actually repealing it. TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com, your iHeartRadio app. Two ways to stream the program live. If you want to catch up on the podcast, Spreaker.com or your Spreaker app. Great little app that uh, is is going to help you discover all sorts of podcasts that are on of a wide variety of topics. It's amazing how many podcasts are in existence, and the quality of them has has really skyrocketed. I mean, the, there's a lot of podcasts out there that are at the level of uh, broadcast radio. So go ahead and check that out at Spreaker.com. We're here nine to eleven weeknights. Let's go to Dave in Andover. Welcome to Closing Argument. Walter, Walter, Walter. Um, yeah, the, I mean, there does definitely have to be something um, changed with the uh, um, you know, health slash insurance uh, delivery care uh, in this country, but it is such a complex uh, issue. Um, I've, I've got some ideas, but um, what, what do you propose? Well, I propose freedom. I, I propose liberty. I propose the same, the same mechanisms by which we are able to enjoy the wonder which is our local grocery store. You know, I go to the grocery store and I have access to products from around the world, fresh and ready to eat, capable of being preserved for days and, in, and sometimes even longer than that. I can put them on my shelf. I, I, I go there and get what I need on, without much fuss. It's, you know, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but nor should it be given the value that it represents. And I'm able to sustain myself and my family. And uh, it all works out pretty well for all parties concerned. The grocer gets paid and I get my food. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's a good example. But see, our, our health care is totally different than a grocery store. When you walk into a grocery store, you know, you buy a can of tuna fish. It's you know whatever, you know, dollar eighty nine or dollar fifty nine, whatever it is, it's right. labeled. You go, you go to get some health care. The majority of people have no idea what it's going to cost them. You go somewhere, you know, one place, an MRI costs eight hundred dollars. Another place, it's twelve hundred. Another place, it's two thousand. So fundamentally, why do people not know how much their health care costs? 
for one thing, it's not advertised. It's not put up. Why isn't it advertised? Because they don't want you to know. Well, no, no, hold on. Do you think the grocery store wants me to know how much the can of tuna costs? What? They they have to post prices. They they well they why did you okay so you're you're suggesting that the reason the grocery store posts eighty nine cents next to a can of tuna is because of government regulation and not because I as the consumer actually want to know how much it costs? Yeah, well, I mean that, that that's part of it too. But I mean, well, part of it. No, no, no. Hold on. Our, our part of it. Is, like, who's going to buy a can of tuna not knowing how much it costs? Yeah. Well, how how many people go out and buy healthcare and have no idea what what it costs? Right. And so what I'm what I'm what I'm driving at is what is the difference? How is it that the grocery store can't get away without? And and the answer is not because they're forced at the point of a gun to put a price. Because if there was no government regulation, I guarantee you they would still put a price of a can of tuna on a can of tuna. Why aren't they putting the prices of their services? Why isn't there a menu like McDonald's when you walk into the dentist office of this is what a root canal is, this is what a cleaning is, what have you? Exactly, because they they don't want you to know. It's not because they don't want you to know, Dave. Oh, yes, it is. You, it's because you don't need to know. You don't need to know because it's covered by insurance and and it's regulated to borrow your answer as to why the grocery store does what they do. Everything happens underneath the surface and is taken care of behind the veil of government regulation and mandates. If you had an actual market in healthcare, you would have that McDonald's style menu when you walked into the dentist office. That's, that's the way it should be. It, it you know it should be an open market. You know. And it needs to be hello. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I thought we got disconnected. Um, it it needs to you know to be regulated. We need to bring costs you know into a real spectrum. Um, it you know it's absurd. You know, what, you know this country pays two, three, four times, sometimes more um, for healthcare services than virtually every other country in. The do you, what do you think? Can you anticipate what my counter argument to that might be, Dave? Like I, it, capitalism. No, 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 no. It's it's not just the word capitalism. It it strikes me as this this is kind of similar to the argument that you hear about our criminal justice system and the the percentage of the population that is in uh, that's in prison or whatever the case may be. Hold on, for whatever reason, the television decided it was going to unmute for spontaneously. Um. But, you know, the notion that we have, I think the, the statistic is 5% of uh, the, 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 we have 25% of the world's prison population and only 5% of the world's population, whatever the case may be. Right. But that doesn't tell you anything about why people are in prison. You know, to, to, my, to my point, I don't care how many people we have in prison. I care that they're in prison for the right reasons, that they actually deserve to be there. And whatever number of people deserve to be there and properly ought to be there should be there. And if that number adds up to 25%, then that's that's what it is. Oh, exactly. In a similar sense, I don't care how much money we spend on health care in the United States of America compared to other countries. I care that it's an amount that is... Uh, commensurate with the actual value that we're receiving. So it may in fact be that the reason it costs more here, and I don't believe that this is a true statement, but it, 
hypothetically, it could be that the reason that we're spending more money in the United States is because the quality of what we're getting is higher nope. than what you're getting in Britain. Look, look at the statistics. No, that you, that, see, that, that doesn't correlate. Um, the, the actual outcome, the United States actually rates relatively low in, in health care outcome per service. Um, and, um, you know, it, it needs to, you know, it needs to be regulated. Then why do people come here, or, or at least they used to, before we decided we were going to go the direction of Europe and everyone else? Why, would pe- why do people who had means fly to the United States or cross the border over Canada or Mexico to come here for their treatment if we're so horrible? I'm talking about overall health. Yeah, it's, we do have some of the most you know, renowned um, you know, medical providers, health care providers, whether it's Mayo or Johns Hopkins, Cleveland Clinic, you know, et cetera. Um, yeah, we do have great health care, and I'm, you know, very fortunate to have, you know, needed uh, to avail myself of that. You know, I've had surgery at Mayo Clinic. Sure. My wife has gotten care at Mayo, and, and other, it's Twin City, Minnesota is one of the, you know, the greatest health care providing, you know, states in the country, and, you know, just here in the Twin Cities. With you know Abbott Northwestern University of Minnesota, you know, just you know, so. Bo- bottom line, because in, in in like a twenty second soundbite, what's your overall prescription for making things better? It, we need to you know number one, bring costs you know into um, some sense of you know reality. It's you know it's unreal what we pay and. Um, if, you know, if people aren't going to be required to have health insurance like, mm-hmm. you know, before Obamacare, right. where did the, the people that didn't have insurance go? Emergency room. Who pays for that? You, <laughs> me, all us taxpayers. So we're going to pay one way or the other. You know, like to say, you, could, you know, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. And, you know, if you choose to have millions and millions and millions of people mm-hmm. without health insurance, you know, we're going to be right back where we were, and you know it. You know, like it. it I, I appreciate your call, Dave. I do got to go to a break. Complex situation, but you know it needs to be gotten under control. It's, yeah, I, I appreciate your points. You're provocative as always. I appreciate your call, Dave. Uh, my prescription for how we bring costs under control is again this novel thing that's worked in literally every other area of the economy called freedom, liberty, free trade. The you know, when, when you have a situation where a a need arises and you know, they have this concept of price gouging, right? You have a, a hurricane that comes through or a tornado or something and uh, all the power goes out and the supply chain is wrecked and you, you, know, you get people who end up charging, let's say, $50 for a, a gallon of water. And, you know, we rend robes and gnashed teeth over how horrible it is that somebody would have the audacity to charge $50 a gallon for water. Well, here's the thing about that. When people hear far and wide that you can get $50 for a gallon of water, guess what they end up doing? They come with truckloads of gallons of water, thus bringing that desperately needed commodity to an area which actually needs it. And as they all flood into that market which has been created, turns out the supply gets to a point well, you can't get $50 anymore for a gallon of water. The price quickly dives down. That is how you lower costs. 
That is how you actually lower them, by allowing people to respond to incentives in a free market and recognizing the reality of how value is created, how it is produced, and how it is communicated through price. This is Closing Argument, 651-989-5855. Nate and Henry will get to you when we come back. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. Considering uh, what it means to be a Republican in an era where they have the opportunity to actually repeal Obamacare, but uh, would rather be more generous, <laughs> rather be less mean with their legislation. Oh, man. Mean. Yeah, I love that one coming from President Donald Trump. I want legislation that's less mean. Really? Like, uh, clearly, you've subscribed to the premise that government is supposed to provide health care and that to not do so is somehow harmful to people who have not provided for themselves. So, again, my question is, if you believe that, why are you Republican? What's the point? Why not just be a Democrat? Because that's what they believe, and they're better at operating under that premise. So I don't understand what the value proposition is for voters here. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855. Let's go to Henry in St. Paul. Welcome to the program. Good evening, sir. Uh, interesting uh, discussion, as always. Um, three quick points culminating with my most important. I like your food-slash-grocery store analogy. I think uh, that makes a lot of sense, and that's crossed my mind in the past as well. It certainly would be a big improvement over the status quo uh, which essentially in modern times, as you know, has emanated from the great society in the 60s. I would point out, though, that even with the food analogy, we do have lots of private charities, Catholic charities, food channels, right. and, of course, what we now call SNAP, uh, essentially food stamps. So mm -hmm. it's not a perfectly pure free market, as I'm sure you would acknowledge, but if, if we had some equivalent to that, um, which we probably would politically, uh, that would be a big improvement. I do agree with you. But my second point is you talk about losing the argument in terms of conceding the premises. We have lost the argument. <laughs> it's not exactly uh, reassuring. It's not comforting, but it's reality. We have lost the argument, such as the entitlement culture, such as the welfare state, that not even the great Ronald Reagan yeah. was able to do much to arrest, much less negate. And then my final point, sir, is we don't have, and this debate uh, and this process clearly proves this, if we had any doubt. We do not have a conservative majority in the U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. We certainly don't have the 60-vote supermajority, mm -hmm. which is what we really need to get what you're talking about and what, right. what I would like, too. But we don't even have the 50-vote, uh, bare 50-vote majority. And uh, I think you know that with people like Susan Collins and Sarah yeah. McCain and Senator right. Graham and several others. I'm not sure we have 45, maybe right. 40 at right. the most. So. Right. We need to elect more conservatives to get to where you want to go, to where I want to go. I'm afraid right now the best we can do are these sort of half measures, yeah. which I agree with you are disheartening and uh, maybe even counterproductive. Right. No, and, and look, that I, I'm, I concede that I'm operating in, from the luxury of purity. Yes. From my from my post on conservative talk radio, right. yeah, if I was actually in a position of having to move policy through a body like Congress, yeah, I, I might be singing a different tune just out of necessity. Be that as it may, the the purpose in 
providing, uh, presenting my ideals is to try to inspire exactly what you're talking about. Let's let's get conservatives in there. Let's move the culture in a conservative direction. Let me ask you this question because I think you're right. We have lost the argument. We are operating under the premise that these entitlements are, are something um, that, that that we're just going to have to operate with. You know, what would you think of somebody coming along and saying, look, this this does work in the grocery market, right? Yeah. So let's model our healthcare system off of that. Let's have the SNAP equivalent right. you know, for healthcare that helps people out who are truly in need and then otherwise rely upon private charity and get things to a point where th- these needs are being met by a market. How, do you think that could potentially be effective in this culture? Maybe, but it would require a very concerted effort over a very extended period of time. My guess Right now, Walter, if somebody, even somebody with some credibility and some stature, and I don't know who that would be, quite frankly, in terms of people who are in office right now, but if let's just assume somebody like that does exist, for mm-hmm. the sake of argument, if that person were to really take the lead and propound uh, that very argument that, that we're discussing this evening, I, I would guess right now he or she would have, what, what do you think, maybe... 25% support. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, right. it's nowhere near a majority. Now, I, I, can't, I try to be an optimistic person. That, you know, to me, it's a, it's a good way to go through life, to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I'd like to believe, I choose to believe, that over time, with a concerted effort, maybe you could work that up. It's going to be incremental. It's going to be gradual. But maybe you could work that up to a majority. Yeah. But right now, as you well know, we really don't have anybody seriously trying in terms of someone who is in a position of power. Right. Henry, you can call anytime. Appreciate uh, the, the well-thought-out points. Let's go to Nate in Woodbury. Welcome to the program. Hey, Walter. Um, I appreciate you bringing this up again tonight. And as somebody who works for a small employer uh, in a transition I made you know, about four years ago from a larger company that offered insurance to a small company that doesn't offer insurance, I mean, I, I come at this from a perspective of someone that has to pay out of pocket for every nickel that I spend on health care. 20 so seconds. I'm, I'm, I'm actually in pretty much what would, I would consider black market for health care because I refuse to participate in these government programs. Appreciate so, your call, Nate. I wish I had more time to grant you. We are up at the end of the show. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 1035 FM. Glenn Beck is next. We'll be back tomorrow, 9 to 11 weeknights, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.